Welcome to Wide-Mindedness with Victoria Ball, the podcast in which I interview expert guests who want to join me in celebrating that life is not black and white. Our society is increasingly divided, and the us-versus-them mentality seems to dominate our conversations and relationships with others. I believe that life is much richer when we widen our minds to consider multiple opinions and perspectives. So challenge your assumptions and let's become truly wide-minded together. This is part two of my conversation with Josh and Carolyn Thomas, the founders of Homesteading Family. If you haven't yet listened to part one, do hop back and give it a listen. Josh and Carolyn live on their 40-acre homestead in North Idaho with their nine children. And in this episode, we talk all about homeschooling, herbal medicine, and why wide-mindedness is so important to them. We can give to a child because, you know, if you have the skills and the desire to learn, you can figure out just about anything else. Like you can go and learn how to do what you want to do if you know how to learn and you're excited about learning. And so that kind of is one of those keys to education. You could just about throw everything else out and just give your child that one thing and they're going to figure out how to be successful in life. So it's a, it's a very important thing for us in our own personal life. Both Josh and I were avid readers and, um, and we love seeing that develop in our own children. And I think the other component to that is experience and love to gain different experiences. Mm-hmm. You couple those two things together. And I didn't have so much of the, I could, like Carolyn, I couldn't stand school. I wanted out of there. Um, I didn't have so much of the diversity and being taught to love to learn, but I was taught to be open to different experiences and seeing different things and experiencing different things. And I think that combination between us is just, it's a really exciting component for life that that works well for us for life and that we're really excited, excited to teach our kids. And I think those two things, you can go out in the world and do anything, you know, if you're willing to look around you, take in the world and, and then willing to learn about it. So we have this joke between us that, you know, when one of us says, so I was thinking that that's a that's a term that says, oh, no, we're all in trouble. Here comes some more projects. And it goes that way. But now we're seeing our children do that. They've been off reading something or learning something or talking some to some interesting person and learning a new thing. And they come back and they're starting to have this, you know, so I was thinking <laughs> and we, go, oh, we don't have time for more projects this week. <laughs> Maybe next week. You know, it's it's um, the perfect embodiment of one of my favorite quotes, what you were just saying. Eleanor Roosevelt said, if you could give one, um, if, if you had a fairy godmother at a child's birth and you could give them one gift, you should give them curiosity. And I think that's just summed up so nicely about what you were saying. Yes, yes absolutely. And, you know, we try not to squish that curiosity that they're naturally born with and created with. Um, because I think that love of learning is somewhat inherent in all of us. But unfortunately, a lot of the experiences, kind of the institutionalization of the education system really squishes that in a lot of children. There's some who make it through, and I think that's dependent on a lot of structure or help from parents at home. But, um, But, you know, we just have a very 
big goal to keep that spark alive. And of course, Carolyn, you have a background as a teacher. Can you now reflect on what the education that your children might have got in the mainstream system, how that would be different from the education that they are receiving at home with you? Yes. Yeah, it it would be very different. But I've got to say a lot of people ask me about homeschooling. And when they find out that I was a teacher, they go, oh, well, that's easy for you because you were a teacher. And I've got to say being trained as a teacher has been one of the biggest handicaps to successfully homeschooling because your mind has been so cultured to think of school as these rows of desks, just the way they would do it in the public school, that it's really hard to start thinking outside of that box, um, you know, and think what is really best for this child to get a firm grasp on whatever this topic is or subject is that they need to learn. So, um, you know, in some ways, our our school at home looks somewhat in traditional looks somewhat traditional. We do use textbooks. We do have workbooks. We do make sure that we are covering the you know regular educational subjects that would be covered. But in other ways, we have a lot of flexibility in working with a child and on uh, shaping their education to their particular needs, their interests, their strengths, sometimes their weaknesses. Uh, really making sure that they're getting the education that they need. And, you know, if they were in that classroom with 30 other children, which is pretty standard here in the United States, a kind of overcrowded classroom. Um, yeah, the same here. Okay. They, they really would not have that opportunity. And as somebody who taught in a classroom, I have, you know, very intimate understanding of that. No matter how badly you want to help that child that's struggling you have 29 or more other children who need to move on. And at some point, you just can't take the time. As a parent and as somebody with only you know a handful of children you're teaching, you, you do take that time. You find the time. It can go into the evening. It can go into the next day, into the weekend. You do what it takes to, to make sure they're able to get to it and understand what they're learning. So it's, a, I think, a much more efficient education a lot of times our children are done with a whole day's worth of school within about three hours. Um, they can just move through at their own pace. They don't have to wait for the rest of their classmates to also finish. In other ways, it's a lot more maybe far reaching of an education because you can really make sure you don't get the gaps in there by just missing something. Well, and I think we've, we see schooling and education different. Schooling is the sitting down, sitting down at the desk, you know, that whole program that we know of in the institutional system. And there's a part of that that's necessary to teach core subjects. But uh, learning is something that happens all the time. And so there has to be a perspective with us as parents of always looking for opportunities to share and to teach and to engage. Uh, it goes back to that love of learning and just creating a mind that's always learning. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. So your goals when as you made that difference there, your goals when educating your family at home are different from just the schooling. What would you say uh, in a few lines are your goals for that learning process for your children? To have a thorough working understanding of the practical application for what they're learning so that they can take what they're doing and apply it to their lives to make their lives better, more rounded, you know, or, or just work well, be successful in what they're doing. Personally, I think that schooling doesn't teach people how to think 
anymore. It might have, but a lot of schooling today does not teach people how to think. So what Carolyn's explaining to me is that process of, of teaching the children how to use their mind well and think and, and process and deal with the world around them, mm-hmm. whether it's others, whether it's their occupation, um, whatever it may be, but, but developing good cognitive thinking. And there's a lot of what to think, not how to think. And I agree with you that how to think is a lot more important, actually. So as anyone who watches your videos will know, your children are clearly articulate, charming and very happy individuals. Do they get to mix with other young people or do you think that isn't as important as we might think? And I wanted to ask how you teach respect for others, particularly those who are different, when they might get less exposure to differences than they would if they were in a big cosmopolitan city. We love having people in our home. <laughs> so we have a lot of other families in our home, but we also do get out and participate in different events with the children. So they actually get to be around people all the time. And especially as they're getting older, we make a real point to get them out with their peer group so that they have people similarly aged, especially as we're getting more and more teenagers in the house, You know, giving that opportunity to kind of find their long-term peer group is so important. Um, so they get quite a bit of exposure, but you know, in a household where you have nine other children running around all the time of different ages, <laughs> of different yeah. ages, you actually, there's always somebody to play with and always somebody to engage with. Um, so they get a lot of social experiences just inside the home. And Victoria, you're asking about teaching respect. And I think that that is so important because, I think there is this feeling that you have to experience a lot of different things in order to learn respect. But we have a perspective that says, if you don't respect what's right in front of you, you're never going to be able to, yeah, or who's right in front of you. You're never going to be able to respect the things that are further away from you and maybe you don't understand as well. I love how Josh and Carolyn share with us how we can be wide-minded even if we live in the middle of the North Idaho mountains. It's a way of living and thinking about the world. And they make it clear that there's really no excuse not to widen your mind, even if you're not in the middle of a diverse cosmopolitan city. Do sign up to the monthly newsletter at victoria-ball.com. That's where I share all the upcoming news hot off the press. I also share my top takeouts, favorite snippets, and wide-minded wise words on my Instagram and Facebook channels at wide-mindedness-victoria-ball. If you're enjoying this, please leave a review and rate the podcast. It helps others discover it. When you learn in your own home to respect that person who's just constantly rubbing you the wrong way. You know, that brother that's teasing you or the little sister who won't stay out of your stuff. And when you have that day in, day out, and you learn how to respect that person that you see their worst moments all the time, um, that learning how to truly respect a person like that gives you a basis for respecting everyone else in your life. And as Christians, we teach our children to put God first and to put others second, and that that is a path for joy. Um, Because if you have a perspective of self-centeredness, where you're putting yourself first, that never ends up feeling good. You don't feel good. Other people don't feel good. 
And when you go out into the world, you don't really ever have a mechanism to be able to respect people, um, anybody who doesn't agree with you. And so teaching people to put others first and them having to practice that day after day after day and to see that person who's bothering you as a valuable human being too, <laughs> that's just such a wonderful training grounds for then going out into the world and meeting people that you don't understand or you don't agree with, but understanding that they're valuable people too, and they're just as deserving of your respect and your love as somebody you do understand. Yeah, and I think, you know, our, our faith really teaches us, one, that God made each and every one of us and made us in his, his image, and therefore we were valuable to him and to each other. And on the other side of that, because of our wrongdoing that we all do, we all fail, we all fall down somewhere, we need to learn a humility, and we try to teach them a humility. It's, it's easy to look around and, and judge other people, but we've got our own problems. And when we can see it in that light and realize that I, I'm guilty of that struggle that Carolyn was just describing every day, not just them. You know, we're all guilty of that. We're all struggling together. And so while we're parents teaching children, we're also all human beings, I would say all children of God, that are all learning how to treat ourselves well. And I think that instills in them, hopefully, a humility as we're all trying to learn a humility to value that other person and realize whatever we see in them, they have their struggles, we have ours we learn to love each other and help each other along. And, and that hopefully gives them an open-mindedness as they see people and they view people that are different than them and are exposed to different situations and people. So I guess we could sum that all up pretty tidily saying, you know, the old saying that respect begins in the home. And if you don't learn it there, you're really handicapped the rest of your life. I wanted to address one other thing, too, about socialization and getting kids out there because, you know, homeschooling can be we're very home based. We home educate. We have a home business and uh, we home grow a lot of our own food. A lot of our fun and entertainment is at home. But it is very important to get out there. And it's very important to us as homeschoolers that that's an important part of education and personal development is different experiences. And so while we have a lot at home, we have a lot of people in, we get in, as Carolyn was saying, we also try to travel. Our kids have been out of the country multiple, multiple times, and their grandparents take them to different cities, do different things, as can be. And we encourage that engagement where it's possible, um, because that travel and seeing different things helps a lot, too. And I hope that all our kids, as they get, you know, away, um, to adulthood, will take some time and get out there and experience life, whatever they decide to do. We would encourage them to do that because it's, it's very important to see for yourself, not just on TV or, or online or, or however to get out and engage people in different cultures and different scenarios. Well, it's kind of a chance to put that respect that they learn in the home into practice, right, right in other scenarios. So it's important too. Yeah. So we've done that where we can and, and we'll continue the, continue to encourage them to as they make those choices. And that's a great point that you make there, that childhood and life within the home is a great microcosm or training ground for what they do next. And you mentioned there that some of your children now are teenagers. Do you have any idea what they want to do when they get older? And what are your hopes for them? <laughs> well, I think our hopes, we want to see them do what God has made them to do. We believe that everybody's been given a gift or gifts and natural talents. And so that's part of the education process is helping 
you know, seeing in them and helping develop in them, what are their passions? What are their natural inclinations? Not that they don't need help overcoming weaknesses. They do, but they, you know, we all have natural abilities. And so encouraging that in them and helping them find that path. Now, our children aren't that old yet. And so our oldest, he's known what he's wanted to do since he was five and he's stuck with it. He's now 15 and a half and he wants to be a missionary pilot. He's flying an airplane once a week right now. Yeah, he's already and working on his pilot's license at 15. He'll incredible. been flying sooner than he could be driving, which makes us all laugh. <laughs> working on getting, getting his driver's yeah. license at the same time. And we laugh that he's more comfortable landing an airplane than he is you know, parking the car, really. <laughs> and so part of our job, because we've seen that consistency, that wasn't just a little child dream that stuck with him and we vetted it over time. And now we're helping him pursue that as part of his education and encouraging him in those things. Right. Um, you know, other ones maybe aren't so sure yet. They're still thinking about it. Some people are probably, we're going to have to push them to, to try things or to, you know, work on a direction. Um, but really, I think we want to see them, you know, mature and use what God's who God's made them to be and the gifts that he's given them. And that's going to be very different in each person. Absolutely. We do, of course, hope that there's one in there that's really going to like take over the family farm, maybe. But, you know, (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) We have a few that are interested. We do. Yeah, we have one that, that has continually said he kind of wants to do what we're doing. Yeah. And and uh, he's not quite a teenager yet. We'll see how that develops. And and honestly, all of the older ones do seem to have an enjoyment for the life, even though they may have different inclinations are going to do different things. They, they So far, they do seem to value what we're doing. Well, it's it's not hard to value growing your own food because it just takes that experience with a store-bought tomato after you've just had a homegrown one, and you instantly value well, your homegrown food. What's hard is to teach them not to comment about the store-bought butter when you're at a guest house. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it's potatoes that do it for me. Goodness, potatoes fresh from the earth. There's nothing better. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Onions, young onions. We're harvesting all of those right now. We're in that season. Mm. Yeah, and it's some absolutely wonderful meals. <laughs> well, your family it is, is big, uh, but it doesn't stop just with your children. You mentioned at the beginning there that you have parents living with you. How important are intergenerational relationships to you? Essential. Yeah. I think that's just so incredibly important. You know, in our modern society, we've lost a lot of the support structure that we used to have when families were more um, involved generationally. Well, and they aged together. And they aged yeah. together, yeah. And, you know, I just, I feel like that is a lack in for every generation, now we don't have the ability of grandparents to feed into their children and their grandchildren um, as easily. Even their great-grandchildren, we have great-grandma Jeannie, should be coming to visit us for a couple weeks, hopefully real soon. And she loves kind of pouring into the children also. And, you know, it's just a lack for all of us. And certainly for the children being so disconnected from their own history, um, I think that just creates a a real sense of aloneness in our culture. And, you know, we see that a lot, people who just feel so alone. And then, of course, uh, you know, with lockdown here, we've really had that sense of isolation um, where we're maybe even more alone. So you need that, that understanding that you have a lot of family. You have that safety network behind you. 
kind of bolstering you and helping you out. And it's just so important for all of us. Some people that can't be biological family, for some people that's, you know, more of a friends network. But I think that that's just something that has become so missing in our modern culture and has made us very uh, deficient and weak in a lot of ways. Well, and the input from an older generation just gives such a diversity of perspective. And so say having parents living close by or at home with you, the grandparents to the kids, they're there both reinforcing and supporting what mom or dad are doing, which gives validity to the children, but they also have their own perspective and how they're living life. And they're sharing that and they're sharing their experiences and their values. And that adds to the breadth of, of what the children are experiencing in a way that that age to age peer integration doesn't do at all. Right. For example, my mom is an artist and right now she's taking all of the grandchildren one time a week for art lessons, you know, that she's doing at her house. Um, my dad is a financial advisor and he's been sitting down with some of the older kids who are getting interested in handling money and, and giving them financial lessons on, you know, investing in different things like that. And those are just, those are experiences that, you know, Josh and I couldn't give, we could give different experiences, but not those experiences. And so it just adds so much richness to a life. Well, and her parents have traveled, they're well-traveled. So there's always stories there. Yes. They're, they're pouring into the kids, their different experiences, their different stories. Yeah. And very, very important to, to be intergenerationally connected. And so many people aren't. You're right. It's it's actually unusual now. Um, and, and another thing that is unusual that uh, I wanted to touch on before before we go is that you also, alongside your food production, you also make a number of home remedies for various illnesses and ailments. And you mentioned at the beginning Carolyn's cottage garden. Do you think we can be a little more wide-minded about the way we traditionally approach health and wellness, this idea of there's a pill for everything? Yes, we can. And we just want to encourage everybody to be more wide-minded in this area. Yeah. Yes. I, it, you know, I think this season has really opened a lot of eyes to some of the weaknesses of the medical system. But really one right now that we're looking at here in the United States is the possibility that our medical system could be overwhelmed with something that is, um, you know, essential or an emergency and could leave you lacking in regular medical care. I actually just had a registered nurse reach out to me who has been on the front lines of COVID and has was asking about more herbal remedies that she could share with her nurse friends and the, her um, co-workers because they're so concerned about drug shortages coming up this fall for the flu season. And so I think this is one of those areas that says we can do so much. We can do so much at home and people have, um, even if people are concerned about, you know, treating the larger illnesses, that's a great place to reserve the medical system for is when you have a real emergency. But the smaller things you can treat at home, you know, headaches, stomach aches, colds, flus, those things are very simple to treat at home. And they're not dangerous to do that in any way. So there's a lot of wonderful things that you can do. I completely love herbs. I've studied quite a few different healing modalities but um, herbs just continue to be my favorite because I can grow them in the ground 
I can grow them year after year. Once you get them established, they're pretty much free, just sitting out there waiting for you to need them. And I can share them with friends freely. So I can give root divisions. I can give other people herbs. I just love being able to pass that around and know that, you know, every time those herbs hit another garden, that's just another family that's moving towards being able to take care of themselves a little bit more. From children and how you deal with your family to health, uh, to your whole lifestyle, to me, you seem very wide-minded. But just before we go, I wanted to ask if this idea of wide-mindedness resonates with you, and if so, how? Yes, I think it really does for us because of how much we had to walk away from what is normal. And, you know, we really had to take a step outside of the normal box and take a look at life and see the other options out there, see what maybe the mainstream normal was missing and choose something different. And that that really takes being wide-minded to be able to do that, to go a different direction. So I think that's so important to us. But I also feel like it's kind of part of our human responsibility to see other people and to see other people's experiences in lives and realize that they're every bit as valuable as our own and every bit as real as our own. And I don't think we can really love other people until we understand that. Uh, An author that I like, John Taylor Gatto, he's an author about uh, education systems. And he says that God created, and I don't know that I have the quote exactly right. So paraphrase, God created each one of us an eccentric. We're all unique. We're all individuals. And while we have a lot of similarities and a lot of shared experiences and we have tendencies to group together, and that's good. There's a lot of value in all of that. We're all individual. We have unique characteristics. We're each one very, very valuable. And it takes a wide mindedness to really see that and to be able to accept each other and work with each other and love each other. Uh, We've missed so much of that in our modern culture. I think you know, between the school system and honestly, just the prevalence of, um, I guess I want to say universal images, television shows that show us what normal is or should be, you know, Um, we have really watered down everybody having their own eccentricities and seeing the beauty in that. I'll never forget reading a quote from um, James Harriet, the author. You'd be familiar with him there. And um, somebody asked him in his later years to please go take him out to these small farms that he wrote about and introduce him to all these very colorful people that he writes about in his animal stories. And he said, I can't. They've all been homogenized because they all have television now. And so the personalities have toned down. People have gotten a little more in line. And, um, you know, that stands out to me as what a loss we have experienced in our culture to not have those bright personalities, those people who stand out and just seem so eccentric and so different. Um, It's like a garden, you know, with all the beautiful different things growing in my cottage garden, which has about a million different things going. And if you look out there, it feels like there's very little order, but it's so productive and so abundant. And I feel like that's just so important to us to re-celebrate people's eccentricities and encourage ch- children in finding their giftedness. 
Josh and Carolyn of Homesteading Family, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful, Victoria. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wide Mindedness with Victoria Ball. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please let others learn about it by rating, reviewing and subscribing. For more great wide-minded content, follow me at Wide Mindedness Victoria Ball on Facebook and Instagram and sign up to the monthly newsletter at victoria-ball.com.